Thank you for tuning in to Acts to Life. We're going to go ahead and look at a topic that I have spoken on before. Um, and if, in fact, this was spoken to a youth group. And the original title that I gave it was The Road to Hebron. Um, and of course, I like to give subtitles a lot of time to my messages and sermons and so forth. And um, the subtitle for this was The Journey of an Anointed Man. And the passage that we wanted to start off here with is Second Samuel uh, chapter 2. And we'll, we'll start it with verse 1. And it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him, Go up. And David said, Whither shall I go up? And he said unto Hebron. And then skipping at uh, verse uh, 4. And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. Now, this, this kingship here with David, it was not uh, the um, a crowning of all of Israel. It was just the um, uh, crowning of, like, of, of just Judah. So this is... Um, not the the extent of his kingship. It's not the full kingship um, that we know of King David, but it was at the beginning of a new season. It was a fulfillment of a promise of that anointing that uh, Samuel anointed David with. Um, but I want to focus in on in this podcast and this this episode here is. What happens between David's anointing and 1 Samuel chapter 16 to this point here? Because um, when we read a book or we're, and I, I use the illustration about reading uh, the uh, character of Noah. If you was to take all of the Bible verses that uh, talk about the character Noah, put it all together print it out or however you want to do it, uh, you could probably read the whole life of Noah in about 10 minutes. Unfortunately, though, we in the 21st century within the Western Hemisphere here, we have this subconscious um, thought that the person's life happens really quickly. And when we read the person's life in about 10 minutes, um, we then kind of turn around and look at our life and going, man, I've been waiting on God for, you know, him, him fulfilling this promise for seven years or 10 years or 20 years. And, 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 and we set ourselves up for failure in a sense. Because with Noah, I mean, you know, some historians saying that it took Noah about 100 years to build uh, the ark. And so that 10 minutes of reading covers how many years of a person's life. And we cannot become stagnant or, or let the character be a two-dimensional um, um, story. We have to humanize uh, biblical characters and understand that these were real people with real lives that are in the same time restraints that we have, you know, we have the sun comes up, it goes throughout the day, and then it comes back down. Yeah, they didn't have a wristwatch uh, on their arm, 
but the sun and the moon and the stars and the time was still ticking. So when we are looking at David's life, what happens between David's anointing and him being come, uh, becoming king? So we have to look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. This is where he was anointed king by the prophet Samuel. And we see also in 1 Samuel chapter 16 that David plays before King Saul with his heart, which in my brain, I'm going, oh, wow, that's a great jump start. I mean, here you are, you're in the backside of the, uh, the wilderness watching somebody else's sheep. Your family has like totally forgot about you. And then this prophet comes into your house and like, hey, well, we're not going to sit down and eat until the future king comes, right? He anoints uh, David and then, well, here comes this little uh, sheep farmer and he just starts walking into the king's uh, courtroom and starts playing in front of the king. Um, I mean, that's a pretty big jump if you ask me. And we're like, oh, wow, he's starting off on the right foot. Well, see, David was anointed to be king, but he was anointed to serve, right? And we see that in 1 Samuel 16 and 17, that even though David does play before King Saul with his heart, he's still having to watch his father's sheep. He's still out there serving his family. And when we are anointed, we like to say David here, he's anointed to be king, but he's also anointed to be a steward of things that was not even his, right? So when we are anointed, maybe we feel a call on our life. Maybe, uh, I don't know who's all listening, but maybe uh, uh, there is a ministry that you have felt led to. And, it, you know, fill in the blank, whatever that is. And we tend to say preachers and teachers and musicians and choir directors or, you know, what have you. But, but it, whatever the ministry is, because if you are in the kingdom of God, you are called to a ministry, you were called by God. God does have his hand upon your life to fulfill something. You do have a purpose. Well, when we find that purpose, or maybe that's prophesied over us, maybe it's spoken over us, um, maybe God reveals something to us in our uh, personal uh, prayer closet, whatever the situation was, from that moment on, there is this promise, this fulfillment that we are, are seeking after. Uh, we want to see this fulfilled. We want to see it come to pass. But we cannot take our anointing, and in David's case is being anointed king, we cannot take our anointing and exclude ourselves from serving or exclude ourselves from being a good steward. Even if that means I'm being a good steward of something of my local church that is not even mine. What do I mean by that? Well, maybe you're not the director or the pastor or the uh, person that is over that ministry, but you are been, been trusted with something about it. And one minister that came, came that comes to my mind, um, at our local church, um, for I don't know how many years he has been uh, faithful 
um, you know, for um, taking care of the air conditioning. So turning it on, turning it off, um, turning the lights on, turning the lights off, all this different stuff before and after services. He did it faithfully. Now, was, was that like, oh, that's my calling to watch the thermostat? Well, I mean, maybe there are some people that do that, but but I, I think he's more of a teacher and, and, and working in prison ministry and so forth. But for several years, he looked after those things. Now, I think computers kind of do a lot of that now with timers and so forth. But and my point here is, is that is this is that we need to be faithful in the small things and serve in those small capacities, what we call small capacities. And because we're anointed but that doesn't mean we're excluded from these other ministries and activities and responsibilities. And so now we're going to continue on in 1 Samuel chapter 17. We also learn that David killed a bear and a lion. He, he, he was anointed to be king, but he was also anointed to fight battles. I think that there is a misconception sometimes that once you're baptized in Jesus' name, get the Holy Ghost, and here you are in the kingdom of God, that uh, all those things of the past or those um, the sins of the past, let's just put it that way, the, the, the consequences, the responsibilities, all that stuff just kind of melts away as we are now in, in the family of God. Well, that's, that's not the case. Um, the children of Israel that, yes, God promised them the land of Canaan. They're like, hey, this is yours. But there were still giants that dwelt in the land. They still had to walk around Jericho. They still had to overtake some cities. They still had to divide it out. They still had to uh, uh, take care of some business in order to take a hold of the promises of God. And so David still had to fight some battles. David, he was anointed to be king, but he still had to fight. 1 Samuel chapter 17 also talks about uh, David. Um, he resisted the armor of a king. You see, David was anointed to be king, but he still had to earn the respect and the honor before he received the title. I have seen many people, and maybe we're all guilty of this to some uh, degree or another, is that when we feel that anointing or, or that calling or whatever that that is, we simply, like maybe by human nature, was like, well, if I'm going to be expected to do all of this, well, then where's my title? Where's where's my um, where's my crown? You know, not that we're trying to be a king, but where where is my crown? Where is the the um, um, the name beside the door. Where Where is my parking space? Where is my paycheck? Where is these things that I am looking for because I have now stepped into this new role? And David, he was anointed to be king, but he still resisted the king's armor because it was not time yet. It was not the right moment and so David in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we probably the most famous story, or at least one of the two most famous stories about David, is he killed Goliath. He was anointed to be king, but he was anointed to only lift up God's name. 
This was not an opportunity for David to step out there, put on his uh, uh, blue and red spandex outfit with a big old S on the chest. And of course, maybe it was a D in his case, big old D on the chest and going, yeah, well, here I am. I'm David and I'm anointed to be the future king of Israel. And you, the uncircumcised giant, you are going to fall and the vultures are going to eat up your flesh. Did he do that? No. He says, you come against me with a spear and a sword and a shield, but I come to you not as David. I come to you in the name of the Lord. When we are anointed to fulfill a ministry or to pursue a, 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 a harvest field, we have that anointing, but we must do it to only lift up God's name. One of the prayers that I try to pray is like, Lord, help when, when I'm preaching, teaching, ministering, you know, so forth, is that God help them to not hear my voice. Help them to hear your voice. Help them not to see my face when I'm up there. Help them to see your face. Help them, oh Lord, to remember your name, not my name. Why? It's because if I step on a battlefield against a giant, a spiritual giant, a challenge, a, 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 a demonic force, whatever it may be. And I have my name on my chest, and that is what I'm coming out there with. I'm in trouble because my name can't save anybody. Um, but the name of Jesus can save everybody. So, 1 Samuel chapter 18 and, ver and, and also uh, chapter 19, David has now killed Goliath. He's now had victory over this giant. Israel had victory over that battle. And the people started singing praise about David. Now, understand, David has only killed, as far as we've seen up to this point, uh, a Goliath. But in Samuel, I mean, uh, for Saul, King Saul here, I mean, he's fought how many battles up to this point? So it would make sense to me when the songs were being written and everybody's celebrating David, that they say, well, Saul's killed his thousands and David's killed his ten thousands. Where's the ten thousands? I mean, David is still just a little boy. And far as, like I said, far as we know, he's only killed Goliath. But. The songs here is saying that he's killed tens of thousands and King Saul becomes jealous and, and, and David's become this legend. And he gets jealous and the evil spirit kind of rivals within him and he throws a spear trying to kill David. Uh, Saul tries to hire his daughter to kind of entrap David and, and he sends David on this impossible journey, this impossible battle. He's doing things to try to get David killed, to trip David up. And, and so when we are anointed, we are anointed to be that, whatever that is, but we're also anointed to be a target of the enemy. See, we, we want the anointing. We love having that, uh, like when David walked away from uh, the prophet Samuel and was going back to feed the sheep, he was still dripping with all of that oil. I mean, it's just running off of his garments. And man, can you imagine that feeling of just like, whoa. I mean, just that powerful moment. But when, when the enemy starts attacking and the enemy starts trying to throw spears at us and, and even our own 
um, um, church circle, if we can say that, starts attacking us, then it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Why, why am I getting attacked? Why is these things happening to me? I mean, I'm anointed. Yeah, but you see, having the anointing dripping off of you, that is putting a target upon your life. You cannot be anointed by God and not be attacked by the enemy somewhere, somehow along the journey. If if you're wanting to just slip, you know, in and out, and no one notices you, and and the enemy doesn't take notice of you, and you don't get all all this, you know, you don't get that phone call in, or that doesn't happen, or that wakes you up in the middle of the night, or that, if you're expecting to be anointed and not to have those things, you're mistaken. It's part of the the territory. And let's move on. So 1 Samuel chapter 20. David here has to learn how to rely and to trust on another leader. See, David was anointed to be king, but he was anointed to not be alone. And he was anointed to rely on other people. There is no Lone Ranger in God's kingdom. Even the Lone Ranger had a sidekick. Even the Lone Ranger had someone that had his back. Even the Lone Ranger had someone that rode beside him, fought beside him, protected him, mended his wounds, etc. So we, if we're not careful as, as Christians, we can get entrapped in thinking well, uh, you know, I, I don't want to tell people about my problems and I don't want to, and it, you don't have to tell people all your business. But if you think, or if I think that we can just get through this life on our own, well, I'm just sitting in the corner here, just reading my Bible and just trying to pray. And I, I don't need the church. I don't need a pastor. I don't, oh, you're in some deep, deep waters and you are drowning and you probably don't even know it yet. We have to have other people in our lives. And David had to learn in one of his darkest, most probably maybe one of his scariest times of his life, he needed someone else. And in this particular case, it was Jonathan. He needed a brother to help him and to protect him. 1 Samuel chapter 21, David had to learn how to run to the house of God and to remember his blessings. David is now on the run. He's running from King Saul, a new season of his life that he was not expecting. He did not have time to go run to the back room and grab his uh, bug out bag. You know, he didn't have time to go get his emergency kit. You know, he didn't have time for that. He had to be lowered down the wall and escape because his wife was able to help him and give him some time there to run, uh, run away. And so he's now on the run. And now where is he going to go? When you've lost everything and you are at the wit's end, you're at the end of your rope. Who do you run to? Who do you call up? What what location do you run to? David had to learn that the only place that he could run to for safety and security, to get uh, uh, replenished, to get renewed, to get encouragement, he learned that he couldn't go to the king's house. 
He learned that he couldn't go to his father's house. He learned that he couldn't go to his own house with his wife. He had to go to the house of God and talk to the man of God. See, David was anointed to be king, but he still had to depend upon God and upon the house of God. And while he was there, he said, hey, I need a sword. I, 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 need, some, I need some weapons here, man. I, I don't have anything. And, and, the, and the priest, he was like, well, the only thing we've got is Goliath's sword. Whose sword? Goliath's sword. Well, what was significant about this sword? Well, this was the sword that Goliath carried. This was the sword that when David faced Goliath, that he uh, uh, knocked Goliath down and with Goliath's own sword cut off his head. So this was symbolic for a victory that God gave David. And so David had to learn not only to run to the house of God, but to remember God's blessings. And I put this in my notes, and I, could, I discovered it actually this morning. I didn't have it for this lesson, but, but here's something I learned. Um, is that Goliath's sword weighed, I think if, if my notes were correct, uh, and my source was correct, 500 shekels, which means it's about 15 pounds. Now, I didn't have a 15-pound weight um, accessible, but I did have a 12-pound. And I picked up that 12-pound dumbbell, and I kind of just slowly just kind of, you know, went around in the air with it, with my hand, you know, with it in my hand, and just kind of going around as though I had a sword in my hand. Let me tell you something. That is heavy. And, and after a few swipes of a quote-unquote sword, my arm was exhausted. And I'm thinking... Why did David's like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I need. And I don't know how many battles David fought with this sword. We don't know how long David kept a Goliath's sword. We, we don't know any of that. All we know is, is that David had Goliath's sword when he left the house of God as his only weapon. And then this thought came to me that when we are tapping into the past victories and the blessings of God upon our life, you still need God's grace to wield them. When God has blessed you with a victory or something that you reach in the past and say, this is what God has done, whether it's your testimony, whether it's a victory, whether it's a healing, also, you still need God's grace to use that testimony, to use that victory of the past. David, when he was wielding that sword and maybe in a battle, God had to help him wield that. Now, David could have been a lot stronger than me, no doubt. But to wield a 15-pound sword of a giant, with David being not a giant, then no doubt God had to help him wield that sword in battle. If we are going to use our testimonies and the victories and stuff like that, it cannot be upon our merit. It cannot be upon our strength. It cannot be upon what we can do. Well, you know, uh, uh, here's what God brought me out of. And yeah, you know, we just almost like gloat about it, you know, because there's a fine line between gloating about our past and then using it as a way of giving a testimony to edify and build up and to encourage somebody. There's a fine line between there. 
And when we are using those victories and those blessings, we still need God's grace to help us wield those weapons. Let's move on to 1 Samuel chapter 22. David now has to learn how to raise up an army full of distressed, indebted, and discontented men. Of all people to, to surround yourself with in this time of your life, David, why on earth are you around about 600 distressed, indebted, and discontented men? You see, David, you're anointed to be king, but you're anointed to help other people. Your anointing and my anointing is not for you and I. Our anointing is for other people. And when we are um, serving in ministry or we feel that anointing or the hand of God upon our lives, that is not for us. Don't be surprised that when you find that anointing on your life or you feel that hand of God upon your life, that you start attracting these people that's like, oh my heavens, what's wrong with these people? Like, who are you and why are you dealing with this mess? Well, it's because you're anointed. And that anointing that you have is something that they seek, even though they may not know it. 1 Samuel chapter 23. David had to learn God's voice. There are some battles that we are never designed to fight. There are some things, there, there are some battles that you will come in close proximity to, but those battles are not there for you to fight. And David had to learn God's voice and go, hey, do I go up? And in this case, like God would say, hey, yes, go up and you, you're, you're going uh, to have a victory. But God, you see, when God orders our, our steps and his word, I was talking to the, uh, someone in our, our local assembly, uh, just about, I think two weeks ago, about how God orders our steps. We always just kind of think, oh, God's ordering our steps. Boom, 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 boom. But it's more than that. I don't just walk in the same timing all the time and, and in the same direction. Sometimes I take a step to the right. Sometimes I take to a step to the left. Sometimes I have to take a step backwards. Um, and then my timing, maybe I'm walking faster, maybe I'm walking slower. And then sometimes I'm just standing still because I've got to wait. And so when we say, well, God orders my steps in his word, it's not just a boom, boom, boom. Like we was talking about reading a book and, and reading about the life of Noah. We read about his whole life in 10 minutes time frame. Oh, it's just boom, boom, boom. Let me tell you something. Those nails or whatever they use to build the ark, not every one of them went in perfectly. I dare say that uh, one of Noah's sons smashed his thumb a couple of times. I I'm sure there was some things like, man, where's the tar? I can't find any more tar. Well, we have to go out and get. There was hiccups along the way. God orders our steps, but also the timing and our stops. So David had to learn God's voice on so knowing which battles to fight, which field to go into. And we, as anointed people of God, we also must know God's voice. Lord, do I go pray for this person? Lord, do I go here? Lord, do I go there? Lord, do you want me to accept this job? Lord, should I, should I talk to this individual over here? There's things that we have to say, God, what do you want? God, what, what's your will for my life today? God... We need to know God's voice. 
1 Samuel chapter 24, David had to learn about conviction, to not touch God's anointed. And this is a big one. And, and, and just an FYI, I've got about two more minutes to this podcast, and then I will start a part two, okay? So we'll continue on. So hold, uh, just hold fast here. But David had to learn about not touching God's anointed. You see, David was anointed to be king, but that did not give him the, the legal right to touch another, another anointed man of God. And we, a lot of us know this story about David. He was uh, on the run. Saul is chasing him. Saul goes asleep. David sneaks into the camp, cuts off a little bit of the garment, and then he kind of walks a safe distance away. Hey, Saul, look what I did. And, and, and there, there was this part here that David's like, oh, I did something wrong. I, I, I shouldn't have done that. I, I, I shouldn't have uh, cut off. Because, see, um, in biblical times, because see, nowadays we have all kinds of new outfits and all that great stuff, and we've got how many clothes in our closet. But most biblical characters, uh, 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 men and women in the Bible, they really only had one outer cloak. Most of them did. And so you could see, oh, that's Joe, you know, because it's the same same suit every day. That's Joe. Oh, yeah, that's Joe, because that's what he wears all the time, all, you know, every day as an adult. And so you start realizing that becomes their identity. That becomes what everybody recognizes. Oh, man, my eyes are kind of failing me, but yeah, that's a Joe. Yeah, that's Joe, because that's the same thing he wears all the time. So it becomes a part of their identity. So when David cut a part of uh, the garment, he was a cutting a part of Saul's identity. He was cutting a little bit of who Saul was. He touched God's anointed, even though it's just cutting a piece of fabric, it was part of Saul's identity. So David got conveyed as like, I may be anointed to be king, but that does not give me a right to touch God's anointed. We're going to pause right here. We're out of time for this episode because I got a 30 minute uh, time uh, schedule with uh, um, the podcast episodes. So I'll be right back with part two.